Well, no, I only do daylight savings time once a year, so I'm about two days behind now. <laughs> oh, welcome back to River Heights Radio. I'm Carl Hauser. And I'm Hope Busby. And we have an exciting new adventure to talk about. Our birth certificate carrying... Rickshaw riding... Firecracker, firecracker of, of a, a detective. detective Nancy, Nancy Drew. Drew. We explore the world of China today. Well, we explore New York City first. Yep, mostly. A, a Nancy classic. And let me tell you, if you missed, if, if, if there was a hole in your life after that last book... Where international intrigue should go? Where some more fat shaming and, <laughs> and kidnapping of young ladies belonged... Yay! <laughs> it's back, baby! The clue of the fire dragon. <laughs> this book begins with the line, What else does Ned say, Nancy? Because no better way to find out information than to hear somebody ask somebody else about something somebody else wrote them. What else does the book say, Hope? <laughs> As always, when Nancy gets love letters from Ned, Carson is just on the edge of his seat to hear every sultry detail. Apparently Ned likes being a college exchange student in Hong Kong, and he has actually learned to speak some Cantonese. Excellent, says Carson Drew. That, together with his study of Chinese culture, should make him very valuable in a number of fields. He's gonna sell the shit out of some insurance. That's old Ned. What is new Ned's dream job, Carl? Dun 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 dun. International spy. United States Intelligence Service. Ned asks... Nancy, can't you find a mystery to solve in this far-off colony so I might show you around? Yeah, we're going to call Hong Kong a colony quite a bit. I guess at the time it was a British colony. Not so much anymore. Even though this book was written in 1961 and Rush Hour came out early 2000s, uh -huh. there are a lot of parallels in the way that some of these characters were portrayed. Well, says Carson, mystery or no mystery, you just might get to Hong Kong sooner than you think. Wait, Dad, do you mean... The phone rings. Yep, it's Aunt Eloise who has a mystery for Nancy. The mystery of the missing neighbor's granddaughter. Which is a pretty serious case, I would say. Aunt Eloise has received a mysterious note. Aunt Eloise, as you know, recently remodeled her apartment. Sure, yeah. Like you do in New York. And uh, on the teacher's salary. Yeah, she split it into two different apartments with two different front doors. Under the second front door, a letter was slipped under. So is she subletting? Is Aunt Eloise a landlord? No, because nobody's living in there. I don't know why she did that. Now, I haven't lived in New York. My understanding, here goes Architecture Carl again. My understanding is Aunt Eloise has a door that leads directly from her apartment mm -hmm. into her neighbor's apartment. Like in those hotel rooms that you Yeah, get. yeah. Is that normal? In the 60s? I don't know. I don't know, but she does. That's going to become important. So her neighbors are two wonderful Chinese people with whom she has become good friends. They are Grandpa Soong and his granddaughter Chi Che, who was orphaned. That's why her grandfather is raising her. She's 18, just like Nancy Drew, and a student at Columbia University in New York City. They found this strange note. The note says, Grandpa must 
think I am visiting student friends from Columbia. Police must not be notified I am away or grandpa will be harmed. I am in grave danger because I have found out that... Once again, a note ends. Nancy asks, does the note end there? As if maybe Aunt Eloise just like stops. She's just sipping on tea for a second, Nancy. <laughs> let, her, let her really let the suspense go. Well, says Aunt Eloise, why don't you bring your good friends George and Bess along and solve this mystery for me? Nancy says, okay, uh, but I have to ask my dad because he was talking about going to Hong Kong. She keeps Aunt Eloise <laughs> just on the line mm-hmm. while she goes and talks to her dad. Mm-hmm. For long enough for him to be like, yes, I gotta go to Hong Kong, I've got a case there, why don't you go ahead and if you go to New York first, then we can travel out from New York. And Eloise is just sitting there on the phone the whole time. Nancy dials up Bess and invites her along. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds nice, Nancy, but why the big hurry? Don't tell me, I know. A mystery has popped up and the trail leads to New York City, guessed blonde, slightly plump Bess. Yes, Bess, it's a mystery. What do you think? (laughs) That's right, Bess is back and plumper than ever. (laughs) Nancy apprised her of the situation and, of course, she says, Oh dear, this really does sound dangerous. Oh dear, oh dear. Do you think we should? And Nancy interrupts her. Of course I think we should try to help Chi-Chi. I was going to say, bring our birth certificates, but fine. (laughs) Well, Bess says, I'll be ready. It'll be fun just to go to New York. Shops, theater, Bess, said Nancy firmly. We have a job to do. Chi-Chi's in danger. Pack your notary supplies and get to the airport. (laughs) All right, Detective Drew. Deputy Marvin signing off. See you tomorrow. Just love the level of snark there. It sounds so much like something when I play the video games the best would say. Mm-hmm. All right, Deputy Marvin signing out. <laughs> Then Nancy calls George, unlike Bess in looks and interests as two people could be. Literally nothing is the same about these people. (laughs) George thinks the mystery sounds intriguing. Hypers. And also wants to go to Hong Kong (laughs) with Nancy. Yeah, she's just like... (laughs) I'll do my best, says Nancy. I'll talk to Dad about it, we'll see. But like, yes. They include that the father and daughter were again seated in front of the log fire, which felt cozy on this crisp October evening. (laughs) Yeah, the fall has been beautiful this year, truly. Yeah, and our Yule logs have burned merrily. Don't put that in there. (laughs) In walks Hannah Gruen, who there is no mention of her being a surrogate mother in any way in this one. She's been here since the mom died, that's it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) She does have a pleasant face. I mean, this is a woman who has found, like, hexes to be dismaying. But she's like, you're going to find a missing girl who's the same age as you are? Cool, 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 cool. I think she, it feels like she just wasn't listening. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, sounds fun. Meanwhile, the reason Carson is going to Hong Kong is he has a case of his own having to do with wills and boring stuff that luckily we never really find out about. Yes, it would seem that two people, or maybe more, Teases Nancy that, oh, surely Ned will want to see her. Hannah Gruen laughs at her as she blushes. Carson just always seems too invested in this relationship. I mean, that's my feeling on it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, so uh, are you and Ned gonna hold hands? <laughs> the 
following afternoon, the three sleuths are on their way. They're at the airport, about to board their plane to New York City. George says, we're ready for anything. We even have our birth certificates with us in case we have to identify ourselves. Good, Nancy applauded. I've learned while sleuthing to be prepared for anything. I always carry mine with me. What a weird conversation. <laughs> it felt like... Don't do this, girls. Leave your birth certificate yeah. in your safe box at y- home. Yeah, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. You brought 24 pounds of gold. Good. Like, don't just bring stuff. I imagine it as Nancy literally applauding <laughs> while she says that. <laughs> in my work as a sleuth, I've learned to be careful. <laughs> Blessedly, they don't tell us much about the flight. Yes. We get to Aunt Eloise's apartment, which, just a little side note, Aunt Eloise's apartment number is 420. (laughs) (laughs) Nancy kisses her aunt twice, once for herself and once for her father, of course. Have a big kiss from your brother. The first thing Nancy notices about the note Chiche left is that it has a small hand-painted dragon in the corner, which she refers to as having an oriental shade of red. What shade is that? (laughs) It may be a clue, the girl remarked. Certainly oriental. Again, don't use that word. It's going to come up a lot. This is a clue that Aunt Eloise found, but Nancy's like, ah, I found a stamp on this clue, and that might be a clue is it normal (laughs) to hand paint stationery that's like hell artisanal right yeah maybe it was more common in the 60s i don't know (laughs) aunt eloise repeats again that the soongs appeared to be very fine people and are very fond of each other grandpa soong spends a lot of his time working on a book yeah he is an archaeologist and has learned many great mysteries about rocks and whatnot. Chinese history. History. Nancy proposes that they go meet Grandpa Soong. On their way there, a person runs towards them wearing dark trousers and a loose coat. At that instant, something in front of Nancy exploded with a loud bang. Pop! Nancy instinctively puts her hands over her face. Well done, Nancy. Yeah. Despite her quick movement backwards, she is showered in a spray of paper and sandy particles. Are you hurt? Aunt Eloise asks. I I guess not. I think she was just showered with sand. Like, she's this is somebody who's had her head bopped pretty hard and been like, I'm fine. And will again by the end of this book. <laughs> that domestic terrorist's best friend, the firecracker. Yeah, Nancy holds up a small tube and says, I believe it was a giant firecracker someone set off. So what is that? Do you think it's an M80 or something? Or is it just a firecracker? Is it just... <laughs> One of those little ones that come in single packs that you can throw. A firecracker, Bess repeated, thinking that mysteries for Nancy Drew had started in many unusual ways, but never before with a giant firecracker. (laughs) Everyone comes out of their apartments one at a time, sees that nothing's wrong, and goes back into their apartment. The last person to come out is Grandpa Soong. Presumably he was too intent on writing his book. I just imagine him like very slowly ambling towards the door the entire time everyone else is going away. (laughs) Shuffling like the professor in future He is very glad to meet these fine youngsters. (laughs) Then Nancy says, Mr. Soong, we think that a giant firecracker was set off. Would you possibly know why? And for the first time in any book, (laughs) Nancy gets 
put in her place. Grandpa soon looked startled. I know nothing about it. You think perhaps that because most firecrackers are made in Chinese territory, I should know the reason? You think we all know each other? Oh no, Nancy replied quickly. And then almost as if to like prove it, goes around to all the other neighbors' doors and asks them if they know anything about it. Uh, like, no, see, really, no, 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 Grandpa Soong, see? Look at me, I don't see color. One strange thing about this book is Grandpa Soong is immediately taken with George. You look exactly like my granddaughter. And I don't mean a little bit. No. I mean... You could be twins. My (laughs) Chinese granddaughter and you are indiscernible. George is startled by this information. As one would be. Mostly, I guess, because she doesn't realize that Grandpa Soong is unaware that his granddaughter might be in trouble. We keep Grandpa Soong in the dark this whole book. George's first instinct is to be like, I guess my shirt does look like, you know, it has a Mandarin collared overblouse. And I guess that makes sense then, that I would look like this Chinese girl. I don't (laughs) think... George, that that's what he meant. I don't think he meant, I don't think he meant that Mandarin collar really looks like my granddaughter's face. And indeed, when a photograph is finally produced, George just looks exactly like this girl, I guess. Yeah, Chiche is there, I assume, with like a football under her arm, (laughs) a snake around her ankle, falling off a cliff, you know, classic George stuff. (laughs) Her clean brunette hair. Yeah. Chiche does resemble you, George. Best spoke up. Of course, her hair is arranged a little differently, but she certainly looks like you. Aunt Eloise asks, your granddaughter, you say she went to visit friends. How did that work with her whole bookshop job? He's like, oh, of course, Uh, she took some time uh, off, I assume. Yeah. The stationery he received with a note from his granddaughter saying that she was just visiting friends. Also was artisanally painted with a fire dragon. The same fire dragon. She asked Grandpa Soong if he's familiar with this stationery. He says he's not. It must be her friends. Because I would have just assumed it was her stationery. Sure. Now we get a lesson on dragons and China. We are going to have to have a mini-sode on several things, including on this book. And I assume until I do any research on any of the facts in this book. It's all false. Well, especially since to detail a Chinese history, one has to assume he means his lore, but I don't think he makes very clear in which dragons once ruled China. And everyone's like, oh, that's interesting. The elderly man's audience was fascinated. (laughs) He does go in and out of talking about myths and making it clear that he's talking about stories and then just talking very straightforward as if it's true. For example, he talks about how every self-respecting dragon had a pearl under their chin. Nancy was thinking that all of this information was extremely interesting, but the subject was not furthering her endeavors to glean any clue as to why Chiche had left the note for Aunt Eloise implying she was in danger. Grandpa Soong has no more time to talk. He just had an idea for his manuscript and he just takes off running to the back room, leaving them with the note and photograph, but to be clear, still in his apartment. Which they have agreed to leave unlocked between them. Bess points out, hey, he left his picture in the note, and Nancy says, oh, don't tell him. I want to keep them. We're going to keep Grandpa Sung in the dark throughout this whole thing. <laughs> we really do. 
do try to keep him from knowing anything, which I think just increases his anxiety because he's not stupid and he does know something's going on. Well, Nancy has a theory. She thinks that dragon is a definite clue. The person who lighted that giant firecracker rang Mr. Soong's buzzer. Perhaps he planned to have the baby bomb go off in the poor man's face. I love baby bomb. Big firecracker <laughs> takes a second to baby bomb every day. I imagine, right? I just imagine the scale of like firecrackers getting bigger until yeah. they're baby bombs and then bombs. Yeah, and right? baby nukes after that. Yeah. Well, Nancy says, best to keep Grandpa Soong close at hand. And besides being an old guy, he probably doesn't eat very well. So let's make him dinner every night. With that when I'm old, someone will make me dinner every night because I will not eat well. Aunt Louise says, what is the other scheme you have up your sleeve, Nancy? It's a very daring plan, I warn you. George Fane, you are about to become Chiche Soong. I mean, obviously it's uncomfortable and not uncommon in 1960s movies that a white woman is being dressed up as, as a Chinese woman. They really just say that they give her makeup like Chiche's. They don't talk about changing her expression. So it's not makeup, on the other hand, that's natural to her, you know? So I'm not sure where the line is on what kind of face they gave George. It's unclear. But they definitely didn't color her. Right. Which also makes it even weirder how much she's twins with this girl. But even though they didn't make her less pale in any way, there is one illustration of George dressed up as Chiche. I think it's interesting because I've never seen George in heels. And that picture makes Mm. it clear that they don't work for her. (laughs) And it is clear that they have taken some liberties with her eye makeup to make her eyes look at least slightly different shaped. If George becomes a senator, she'll probably get away with it, but still, not what I would choose for a birthday party. I don't think it's okay, yeah. We'll shape your eyebrows and make them heavier. We'll place a bit of rouge high on your cheekbones. Sure. And change that boyish hairdo of yours into a pixie cut. I, yeah, I just want to know, what's more boyish than a pixie cut? What is George usually doing? Is she in a crew cut? Like, what's going on here? Just a 1950s slash early 60s boys haircut. Best game Nancy a hug. You're a genius. It wouldn't be hard to do at all. And if George puts on the dress Chiche's wearing in that picture, I'll bet people will think she's Chiche, at least from a distance. You ever see a friend from a distance and you're like, who's that? We check the graphic tee. Oh, that's Tom. Well, that's, that's Tom's the graphic thing. tee. Like, she's like specifically like, choose that dress that she wore in the picture as if your photo day clothing is what people will recognize you in. Right. And like I said, she's in like high heels and a nice dress in the picture. <laughs> yeah, just so, hanging out at the university. Just, yeah, just looking <laughs> glam as fuck. <laughs> But it's not like they don't have access to her whole entire closet, which they do. Nancy says her plan is to keep the doors unlocked between the apartments, have George go into Grandpa Soong's apartment, go out his front door, the no stone unturned with Nancy. Yeah, in case so anyone's watching so close. Bess and Nancy will trail her, which George asks, you mean I'm just to walk up one street and down another and wait to be hit on the head? And Nancy reacts like that's some sort of a joke. 
Oh, do be sensible, Nancy begged. I haven't decided yet where I'd like you to go. The silly thing isn't that you're going to be knocked over the head. Yes, that's accurate. But don't just act like it's anywhere. It'll be in a specific location, George. But this means George is not allowed to leave the apartment. I get that a lot of times Nancy's approach to a mystery is to turn it upside down, shake it, and see what change falls out, right? Mm -hmm. What if we pretended that the person who's been kidnapped wasn't? And just see if anyone looks at them like, and follow that person, Mm -hmm. right? Fine. But is your idea that if the people who kidnapped Chiche see a girl who looks like Chiche but isn't Chiche, and then later see Chiche, they're just going to say, oh, don't worry, that's the girl who looks like Chiche? Or maybe they'll confuse George for Chiche even not dressed up. And also, are these people you're fooling watching Chiche's apartment? And they're going to be like, wait a minute, Chiche came out of the side apartment, so it's not Chiche. Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute, Chiche came out of her apartment? She escaped from our prison. Like, what? You know what? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but Nancy's covering bases that we can't even see. Yeah. She's playing 4D baseball. A lot of it's intuition, and you can't beat her intuition. Some of it's just getting George out of the way for a bit, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you remember, but the last time George went undercover, she went undercover as Nancy. (laughs) As Nancy Drew. Yep. And she ended up kidnapped by the bad guys and and severely mentally scarred for a number of days. Well, she, I mean, she, I think (laughs) she pretends to be mentally scarred. Turns out she just was frightened by a threat. Being afraid to that degree is a mental problem. We see Bess kidnapped in this one, and then we find out how someone with real moxie takes care of it. Well, yeah, we're gonna get to that. Anyways, George says she won't mind her prison sentence in the apartment because there are some good books to read. But you know me, I like action, so don't make it too long. George sitting by the window watching all the other kids have fun outside with the mystery. Bess says, I was under the impression, Nancy, that you thought Chiche was a prisoner. So why is the, why are we doing this, right? I Thanks, was, Bess. Thank you, voice of the audience. Yeah, exactly. So Nancy's like, she might be a prisoner, or she might just be hiding from these bad guys, right? And if that person she's hiding from sees her on the street, we may be able to find something out. There, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> if maybe, then maybe, if maybe, then maybe. George said she would be willing to undertake the experiment. Yeah. George is down. Because the door is, like, unlocked between their apartment and Grandpa Soong's, they, like, help themselves in to see, like, a silk scroll. And then they just kind of look around. When they go to visit Grandpa Soong, Aunt Eloise says, teasingly, Perhaps we shouldn't ask, but if we promise not to tell, will you give us an idea of what were you adding to your manuscript this afternoon? That's pretty snoopy, A. And B, we would all love to know what was in that freaking manuscript, because it ends up being, I guess, a valid valuable item it's stolen <laughs> oh, it's that valuable so the next morning best said to nancy what's on our girl detectives calendar they slipped in an advert for the nancy drew girl detectives calendar there they're off to stromberg's bookshop where chiche had a part-time job once there they meet a woman who was portly and unbecomingly dressed in a ruffled blouse and bouffant skirt, and carrying her coat on her arm, came up to them immediately. If the 
the clothing of a woman is criticized at all in a Nancy Drew novel, they are a bad guy. Or just someone who needs to be returned to their father's farm. Mrs. Truesdell, she is annoying. She just talks a lot. She's like, every time I come here, I receive terrible service. <laughs> then they were wondering why does she keep coming? That's interesting. Uh, have you tried not coming here? Bess and Nancy try to hide their impatience with the bookstore. Right, they're still upset. Yeah. <laughs> But, but they're they classy. It. Yeah. <laughs> it seems that without Chiche here to run the front, uh, Mr. Stromberg is having trouble keeping up with his customers. Well, oh. says Mrs. Truesdell, I'm planning on going to China too. That's why I'm here to get books on China. I shouldn't probably be traveling because I don't like to go on planes. Besides, I, I don't like being away from my family. Do to do to do. Shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Nancy and Bess smiled in spite of themselves. Bess whispered, I'll bet that woman's a pest. I should think her family would be glad to see her go away for a while. It's such snark. Because that's such a it's such a sassy, mean thing to say. I know that you think that if there's a bookshop owner or a small statuette shop <laughs> owner or anything of the sort, they're probably a bad guy. But I, I assure you, Mr. Stromberg, who is 50 years old, of medium height and build, has piercing blue eyes, a high forehead, and prominent nose. Seems like a perfectly fine bookkeeper. I don't know. I hear a prominent nose is the is the mark of a villain. I feel like piercing is usually bad. Yeah, you guessed it. He's probably not great. He says Chiche took some time off. And he's really looking forward to her being back. So how could we suspect him of being involved in her disappearance? After all, Mr. Stromberg said, you know Chiche Soong speaks seven languages. So Mr. Stromberg says, isn't there something I can do for you? Well, not in the line of books, Bess answered. We, uh, wanted to invite Chiche to a party. Yeah, a party, that's it. Mr. Stromberg, not interested in this subject, walked over to Mrs. Truesdell, and the two girls left the shop. We didn't learn anything there, Bess said. I don't know what they were expecting either. Nancy is puzzled. Yeah, I love this next bit of detective work from Nancy, because it's smart, and it's clever. She says, okay, Chiche had the forethought to ask for time off from work and yet didn't have the time to finish a note even if we are to assume she lied to her grandfather on purpose or that she wanted to leave something doesn't the term she uses is dovetail together correctly and there's something amiss it's it's perceptive it's too deep for me best admitted <laughs> well uh, hopefully uh, dear reader you're following along Next, they traveled to Columbia University. They went to the building where foreign students often gathered. Nancy and Bess just start asking random girls, presumably ones they think look Chinese, if they know Chi and where she went. And, and if they know about firecrackers. Oh God. Uh, it's not funny, but yeah. No one here seems to call them out on that. Maybe because this book was written by a white person. They find out Chi has been cutting glasses also. So that none of her friends are with her. So if she's visiting someone, it's none of the people that they know. Now Nancy is even more worried about Chiche. Something is certainly up. She didn't tell anyone at the school she would be gone. And it's not like her to just miss classes. She's a good student. Seven languages. So that night, Nancy is sleeping deeply when she is awoke by, awoke, awakened by a scream. It's uh, Grandpa Soong and he's moaning. Grandpa Soong is barely conscious. 
his manuscript was stolen from him. Nancy, even though she knows it's hopeless, decides to run all over the apartment building hoping to find the attacker. <laughs> she runs to the elevator, says, that's too slow. I'm going to take the stairs. And then, like, checks every floor on the way down. Then decides, after all that, to call the police. (laughs) Then she decides to do her own investigating and see if there are any clues left behind. Mm -hmm. When the police get there, they say, uh, you should probably call an ambulance for this guy. He's not doing so well. And they point out that there was no forced entry. The person who assaulted Grandpa Soong had a key to his apartment. The man who attacked Mr. Soong was masked and had his hat down low. He was small and he was strong, but there's not much else we know in terms of description. The baby bomb was also thrown by a small strong man. What we find out when the doctor gets there is that Grandpa Sung has two things that are wrong with him. One, he took a bad fall, and two, he's quite scared. In fact, he's so scared he needs to go to the hospital. And yet Nancy interrogates him anyways. Now we get to hear a lot about detective work in the 60s in New York. Mm-hmm. Bess says, shouldn't we tell them all we know about Chiche? George tossed her head. Certainly not. <sighs> Chiche asked Aunt Eloise not to. That's not what they're here about. Miss Drew, however, Aunt Eloise says, well, we'll have to vote about it. A vote that ends up being three to one. Aunt Eloise and Nancy agree with George. Uh-huh. We're not going to tell the police. But we all know how these votes work. George is going one way, Bess is going the other, Nancy's the decider. Yeah. Eloise did not matter in this. And if she had, she would have only split the vote. So, like, why didn't we just ask Nancy? Bess says, okay, but if Chiche is still missing by tomorrow, I'll probably ask the same question again. Aunt Eloise smiled. A lot can happen in 24 hours. You've already found that out since you came to New York. Yeah, it's been great fun, Aunt Eloise. This isn't the first time they've been to new york yeah that's true by far yeah (laughs) what we find out about the thief's hand marks is that the finger spreads indicate a larger hand than that of mr soong's and shorter fingers they have fingerprints nancy asks for a favor that they tell her who the fingerprints belong to hey if you don't mind would you just close evidence to me yeah well it turns out they don't know this person's never been in prison before presumably a newbie to crime <laughs> what she wants to do is spend the night in mr soong's apartment in case the thief comes back Aunt Eloise says, it's too dangerous. And Nancy says, oh, George can stay with me. I'll place a chair under the door handle so no one can possibly get in. If I hear anyone trying the door, I'll call the police. Which, no, she won't. Yeah, way to undercut the reason you're going over there anyway. George spoke up. Why call the police? Why don't you and I just go out and capture the thief? Well, George, don't say it. Bess gets the last word because she says, well, isn't it possible Chiche will come back and want to get into her apartment? (laughs) Bess will cross that bridge when we get to it. Maybe the manuscript was what this was all about, and Chiche will now come home. We'll be freed. Aunt Eloise admits Chiche may in fact be released if this was the whole point. Yeah. Bess gets very excited. Nobody shares her optimism. Bess is like, maybe we're done. Nancy and George slept fitfully the balance of the night. Mm. In the morning, as they're just about to go back into Aunt Eloise's apartment, unsuccessful, the Soong's door buzzer sounded. George jumped perceptibly so they do not open the door they go out their door out Eloise's front door and they see that it is Mr. Stromberg the bookkeeper now why in tarnation would he be showing up at the Soong apartment 
Yeah, oh, I mean, check up on his employee, but other than that, who knows? Nancy doesn't want him to know that they are anywhere in the vicinity, though. Sure. So they can't ask him. Well, George says, he sure gets around early in the morning. <laughs> can't trust anyone up at 7 a.m. Not only that, but Nancy points out he shouldn't have been able to get into the apartment building without some kind of key or somebody to buzz him in. Uh-oh. Which, like, I do all the time. Someone just lets me in while they're taking the garbage yeah, out. Yeah, which but... is exactly what George, George shrugs. Oh, well. Well, someone was probably just going out the lobby door at the time he arrived, and that's how he got in. <laughs> Listen, Nancy's not wrong that he's suspicious, but she is wrong in that she thinks she has some good reason to think so. Not a lot of food in this book. No. All we find out about their breakfast is that there is broiled bacon. Well, says Aunt Eloise, I'm sorry I forgot to tell you, I must go to an all-day teacher's meeting. <laughs> Terrible. Oh my gosh, poor Aunt Eloise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nancy talks to Captain Gray, who is the head of the New York City Police Department. He says, I understand you are an amateur sleuth. I see I can't keep that a secret. Well, now that you know, I hope you won't mind if I try to solve the mystery, too. <laughs> like it's a little fun game. Like anything could stop you, Nancy. They basically spend the day just hoping Chiche will return and just sitting there waiting. By the afternoon, Nancy's ready to give up. They're going to have lunch and then they're going to dress George up and hit the road. As much as they disliked the thought of invading the Chinese girl's wardrobe, Nancy and her friends felt it was quite necessary if they were to solve the mystery. What an interesting way to put it. George also finds a key in the dressing table, and now she can get back into the apartment whenever she wants. The makeup part of George's disguise is very easy. As mm-hmm. it turns out, her hair is the hard part. quite difficult. <laughs> what do you put on your hair anyway, best chided her cousin? Varnish? Yep. No, cement, George replied impishly. (laughs) Then she said the best thing to do would be to rinse her hair with water. Now, Bess thinks this is a horrible idea as they've already put on the makeup and the dress, but Nancy understands how to use a towel. How the girls can possibly wash hair without ruining makeup. A towel. Okay, George is going to walk down the stairs, go to the lobby of the apartment building, quote-unquote dawdle until Nancy and Bess arrive, and then go out the door. She's then going to go to the hospital as if to visit her grandpa soon. And then she's going to hide in the gift shop. Sure. Until Nancy and Bess come in, and then she's going to leave the gift shop and go to the university. What an incredibly complex ploy to not have to hang out with George. Then she's going to walk around the campus of Columbia University. If somewhere along the line a suspicious person speaks to or follows George, Nancy and Bess will do the rest. I mean, Nancy's hoping that the kidnapping happens in the lobby of the apartment building, like as soon as possible. Let's not go through a lot of rigmarole. Almost from the moment George appeared on the street with Nancy and Bess following at a safe distance, people began to stare at the attractive, quote-unquote, Chinese girl. But no one stopped to speak to her or seemed to be following. Who's that lady? Who's Yeah, uh, but in my mind, they're all just like, is she doing blackface? What's happening there? I think it's the first time the Nancy Drew books have acknowledged the amount of male gaze women have to tolerate whenever they hit the streets. Sure. I mean, George doesn't get catcalled. No. and Which it would puts be it, more realistic. And it puts it in kind of a positive light. And it adds, like, a layer of weird racism. Nancy and Bess were beginning to think that perhaps their experiment was going to fail, when suddenly, Bess grabs Nancy's arm. She's noticed a man in a car. 
he's driving very slowly and and watching George very closely. Nancy, Nancy, our little George is being followed. By a dark blue hard top. The driver was about 25 years old. I don't like this. He was slender and dark, but not an oriental. It's always when the adjective becomes the noun that you're like, oh, come on. Not good. They do get his license plate number. They find out at the hospital, Grandpa Soong has to stay a whole week in the hospital. He also says he got a phone call from Mr. Stromberg asking how he was doing, which he thought was weird because they're not like friends in any way. Mm -hmm. They've never even met. He's also received a bouquet of yellow chrysanthemums with a card but not signed but it has the red dragon on it in mafia culture yellow chrysanthemums means watch your back does it no nah, i made that up nancy says surely you must have an idea who sent these mr soon says only that they may be the same people who are friends with chi trying not to show her true feelings the young sleuth said lightly well grandpa soon you must have an admirer isn't that exciting he's already said that he thinks it's his 18 year old granddaughter's friends who sent him these flowers grandpa soon is starting to worry a little bit about chiche he misses her a lot and he's received no more letters from her oh something is bound to arrive said Bess cheerfully but she whispers to nancy i wish i could have meant that to tell the truth, I don't like the look of things at all. I'm starting to wonder in this book how good Bess is at whispering. Off to the university. The disguise is working, Bess whispered excitedly. Yeah, before they know it, everyone walking by is like, Hey, Chiche! Mm. Apparently Chiche is pretty popular at this college. Just then a young man, tall and red-haired and very slender, grabs George's arm. <gasps> how did you get away, Chiche Soon, you little fool? <laughs> George, though startled, played her role magnificently. She did not speak, merely shrugged her shoulders and extended the palms of both hands in a gesture of, you guess. The next instant, the man seized George roughly by her arm and led her away. George pretended to go willingly. Can you imagine if you kidnapped someone and then you just saw them on the street? You're like, you little brat, how did you get away? No. And they're like, if you know, you know. Totally nonchalant about it. <laughs> You're coming with me. <laughs> Okie dokie. Nancy and Bess, with pounding hearts, kept pace with the two ahead. It's the same car. The hard top. But it's a different driver now. The driver called out in a worried tone, No take. While you were gone, I phoned Ryle. So George is released. Nancy called out to George, Go home and wait for us. <laughs> then she hires a very unwilling taxi to chase after this car for her. The absolute most nonchalant taxi in all of New York. What's going on here? You trying to date those guys? <laughs> <laughs> Nancy ignored the remark. The driver puts on like a little bit more speed at Nancy's request. The other car makes some pretty cool moves. The taxi man's just grumbling this whole time. Bess, realizing that the taxi driver may be a bit grumpy, she leans forward and she doesn't do what I would do which is be like a hundred bucks in it for you if you catch him she goes wow you're such a good driver has anyone ever told you that you're such a good driver i've never ridden with anyone who could handle a car so 
well. They do give a generous yeah. tip. They're in Chinatown now. Nancy says, those men probably don't live here, so it shouldn't be too hard to locate them. Somebody may be able to tell us where they are. Eventually, they do find a stationery shop that sells the very same stationery with the red fiery dragon in its corner. Artisanal stationery. He makes it himself, and he doesn't make mass orders, but he does make a lot of them. He's very Etsy about it. Do you paint this stationery for some particular person? Nancy asks. Mm, no, no. Many people, both Chinese and American, buy this stationery. I take no special orders. I will be glad to sell you some if you care to have any. The young sleuth, thinking that stationery might come in handy if she wants to trick the bad guys later, buys both the stationery and the cards. Never comes up again. The artist says, is there some special reason why you want to know? No. Nancy asks if he knows anyone named Ryle. He says that there was was a man named Ryle there several months ago who was trying to sell him something. He decided not to buy the jade that Mr. Ryle was trying to sell him because he thought it might be stolen or smuggled and didn't want any trouble. Here indeed was an interesting clue. That said, I don't think Ryle's was really your grandpa's type, so... The young sleuth pretended to be shocked by the possibility that Mr. Ryle was a smuggler. A smuggler? The man who sent my grandfather flowers? (laughs) And every time Bess asks this man a question, which he seems happy to answer because they're innocuous, the book is like, Bess asked this question to get information for nancy as if we're not following what bess is doing they don't know whether ryle is his first or last name they only know that his companion referred to him by that name bess says good question and how do you spell it oh i know how to spell it bess i've been (laughs) reading it this whole time nancy and bess find that the bad guy's car is still parked where they left it yes it's been abandoned Nancy phones the police about it. They promise to go look into it. But we've been through enough mysteries at this point to know an abandoned car is a stolen car. Meanwhile, George, who for some reason has been told to go back to the apartment alone, even though she's specifically disguised in a way that is meant to be a lure to bad guys. So do I just walk the streets until I'm hit over the head? (laughs) No, silly. Not until we get distracted. (laughs) And then yes. And then yes. George has been having an adventure met one of Chiche's best friends at first the friend does think that she's Chiche and then figures out no George Fane took an instant liking to the attractive Chinese girl the stranger introduced herself as Lily Alice Wu George says hey I can probably get you a job at the Stromberg's bookshop do you want to go talk that over and Lily says yeah but first please explain why you are costumed and made up the way you are George smiled, but did not reply at once. Could she trust Lily Alice with confidential information about the missing Chiche? And then Lily is like polite to one person and George is like, yeah, she's good people. Yeah. She confides in Lily that her friend is actually missing. Poor Lily gets pulled into this mystery, is asked to work at the bookshop as some sort of an undercover agent. You have to feel bad for the girl who probably wanted the job as a more permanent way to bring in money, as many of us do, and is being asked to not only go through the, like, anxiety-inducing process of getting a job, but getting one that you know is dangerous, that you know won't pan out, because your whole thing is to be undercover for no goddamn pay. (laughs) 
got to do it for your best friend. Would you do it for your best friend? Yeah, okay, yes. Uh, then I didn't think about that. For the friend, I would. But still, she was hoping for a job at a bookstore, and it is not going to last. Waiting for Nancy and Bess at the apartment, Aunt Eloise serves tea and cookies, and it sounds just like they were generally awkward until Nancy and <laughs> Bess got there. And yes, indeed, Nancy's idea is for Lily to go undercover at the bookstore, much the same way Nancy has in several books. The car that was left behind by the suspects was in fact stolen. stolen. Dead end. When George goes to change, she discovers her clock on the floor. Did one of you knock my clock on the floor? She asked. Who's been touching my clock? Apparently they had forgotten to lock the door between Mr. Soong's apartment and Aunt Eloise's apartment. Nothing has been taken except for the photograph. And note, Nancy makes the far-leaping deduction. The note was taken in order to further forge notes from Chiche. So Aunt Eloise wants to bolt the front doors to their apartment and Mr. Soong's apartment. Nancy gazes into space for several seconds before basically saying that's a horrible idea. The thing about a deadbolt is it only works when you're inside Aunt Eloise. Yeah. We'd literally need a magic deadbolt to lock it once we'd left. Anybody hungry, Aunt Eloise asks. I'm starved, Bess answers quickly. The other girls smile. Oh, Bess. It seemed that Bess, who rarely watched her weight, could eat at any time. It seems like a good time to eat, guys. What's going what do you what is everyone's problem? You're all hungry. Okay, Aunt Eloise says, I have a casserole. I made it yesterday. It's been in the fridge. Let me just put it in the oven for us. I'm gonna put it in the oven. Now it's in the oven. That is indeed how it goes. She turns and starts to walk towards the refrigerator. Suddenly there was an explosion inside the stove. The oven door flew off, hitting Aunt Eloise squarely in the back and knocking her over. Now a weaker woman would have been hurt or perhaps killed by the explosion that sent her entire oven door hurtling into the back of her head. But not our Aunt Eloise. Nancy and George lifted Aunt Eloise, fearful that there might be a second explosion, and rushed her from the kitchen. Fearful of a second explosion, they put her in, like, the other room. Not like, let's get out of here, things are exploding. Let's put a little wall between us and the fire. Nancy, trying not to show her fright, asks if Aunt Eloise has been hurt. I only had the wind knocked out of me, I guess, she said. The girls were greatly relieved, but Nancy felt that she should investigate. (laughs) So she goes back in and figures out there's been another giant firecracker. Now this is the place where I would have called it a baby bomb at the point of like exploding oven doors. Yeah. Yeah, and it's because she finds red paper and sand. And Nancy assumes that the intruder who knocked over the clock also did this. That's a full murder attempt, Yeah, I, I gotta say. Yeah, how perfectly dreadful, Bess exclaimed. In solving a mystery, it's bad enough to go after an enemy. But when he invades your home to kill you, maybe it's pretty awful. The best reading of kill I could have imagined. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm sure he didn't mean to go that far, but he is trying to scare me into giving up the case, Nancy remarked. Which is like, uh, what are you talking about? I think he was willing to kill you at the very least. That would be premeditated manslaughter at the least. So at this point, 
they get absolutely mobbed by neighbors at their front door. The neighbors want to know what the explosion was, and they also want to know why these two neighbors of theirs are causing so much goddamn trouble. This used to be a peaceful apartment complex until a self-possessed woman and a Chinese elderly man moved in. One woman calls Grandpa Soon queer, and Nancy says he's not queer. He's a very learned and fine person. I don't like living in a place where firecrackers are going off and people are getting knocked out by intruders. <laughs> Probably they don't like that either. George says, then perhaps you should move. If you're getting bad service here, <laughs> why do you keep coming back? Me? Move? I think the Soongs and Miss Drew should be the ones to go. You're, you're all dangerous tenants. Nancy remarked icily, instead of you people becoming so angry and unfriendly, I think you should welcome the chance to help the police capture the person who is responsible for harming Grandpa soon. Time for some interviews. And boy does that tell them off. The shy little woman, having heard this whole exchange, finally decides to tell the information she does know. Yeah, which she was afraid to tell because she's a timid little dormouse. The outspoken woman does end up apologizing, says she'll do a good neighborhood watch now. Racism solved. At this point, Nancy decides that it's time to take police Captain Gray into her confidence and tell him what the F has been going on. Also, she's going to bring everyone else out to, like, a nice French restaurant for dinner. <laughs> Captain Gray says, Nancy, Drew, I'm intrigued by your sleuthing ability. I couldn't have had a better report from one of my top men. At this point, he puts detectives on, like, 24-hour surveillance of the apartment. <laughs> Nancy gets Grandpa Soong's mail for him. Mm. One of them seems like it might be from Chiche. When the elderly man opens it, he reads it right away. It is from Chiche. It says, not to worry, she's going to be gone a long time. Grandpa Soong, you may think me very rude, but I should like very much to have this letter from Chiche. If I bring it back soon, may I borrow it? Grandpa Soong, who apparently loves the dark as much as they love keeping him there, is like, yeah, fine, I don't care. He didn't even ask why. Nope, not so, of interest to me. The reason why is to have a handwriting expert analyze it one of the big things we learn in this book if you want to tell it forgery you look at the t's at this point nancy thinks chiche might have been taken from the country so the fbi gets involved too i mean i think it's clear to nancy that chiche has been taken out of the country because nancy has to go to hong kong later nancy drew you have scored another bullseye captain gray says the note in chinese and the envelope in english received today by mr soong are definitely the work of a forger captain gray's suggestion is to bring the letter back to Mr. Soong. So he doesn't catch on. But then suggest that it might be safer with her and take it away again. So we can give it in evidence. <laughs> Mr. Soong's like, yeah, I don't care. Nancy visits the Stromberg bookstore when she knows Lily will be working. They pretend not to know each other for complete secrecy. Nancy buys a geology book. Lily tells her she noticed a piece of stationery inside a book about Asia. Nancy goes to purchase this book to see if it's filled with uh, clues or secrets. But Mr. Stromberg is having none of that. He comes bursting out of his office like Book Hulk and he's like, that one's not for sale. Not for sale? It was on the shelf. You're, you're on the shelf. <laughs> comes up with the excuse that it's out of date. Well, excuse me, Mr. Stromberg, but I'm living in an out of date book, says Nancy Drew, and I think it's fine. Finally, after some back and forth, she says, if you won't sell it, you won't sell it. And she goes and buys it somewhere else. Same book. 
but she figures out the page in her book that talks about Mahjong. Yep. So hold on to that clue. It's good detective work. Yeah, it really is. It, and bad criminal code passing. By the way, how long has Bess been gone? Too long, Aunt Eloise replied. Apparently Aunt Eloise sent Bess out to do her grocery shopping, mm -hmm. her marketing at a few different markets. Days ago. Also, Lily has lost her job. Mr. Stromberg has decided that she did know Nancy and that if anyone is brought in who's buying books that he doesn't want them to buy, they're causing a scene. Also realized that she heard him say one sentence outside of his office. And all this adds up to he doesn't trust her. She hears the words, they probably won't notice us amongst all those students. So she is, takes that to mean Mr. Stromberg is going to Hong Kong on the same plane that a bunch of college students are going on. That's not a leap. It's all it could mean. She believes that she can get Nancy on that very plane. Bess is missing. We know this. Nancy's nervous. She gets a phone call from Lily saying she's gotten fired. Several pages later, the phone conversation finally ends. Aunt Eloise, who had been gazing out the window, said worriedly, I'm really becoming frantic about Bess. Everyone else's life is just continuing as Aunt Eloise is like, guys, uh... <laughs> yeah. Nancy and George finally go to find their friends. They go to the large market. One of the cashiers does remember Bess. That girl was loaded down with bundles. She and a woman behind her were laughing and talking about going in the woman's car to help the girl get all her packages home. Yeah, the woman behind her kept saying, I know I'm a stranger, but I have candy. And Bess kept saying, uh, I haven't been taught not to do this. Frankly, George, I'm terribly worried. That woman who offered to give Bess a ride may be part of the gang that's holding Chi Che. No, certainly not. Oh, Nancy, I hope you're wrong. Nancy was not wrong. <laughs> At that very moment, Bess was seated on a chair, her eyes blindfolded, and her hands tied behind her back. She had no idea where she was. Bess's heart pounded in fright. She berated herself. Oh, what a fool I was to get into this mess. She met in the store a pleasant woman with Eurasian features. She said she was a good friend of Miss Eloise Drew. I know your mom. Your mom sent me to pick you up. Bess goes out to get in the car. Behind the wheel is a man who the woman says is her husband. Bess noted he had red hair. And when they get in the car, the woman drops her purse on the floor. Bess leans over to pick it up. And then she's pushed onto the floor and warned to keep still. The Eurasian woman, who was far from pleasant now, was saying, harshly you better tell us what your pal nancy drew is up to and you don't leave here until you do best decides that the best avenue is to tell the truth Bess explained that Mr. Drew was doing a lawyer case on the will That's over true. in China. That's true. And Nancy often did research for her father. That's true. So they were planning a trip to Hong Kong, so Nancy wanted to learn about it. And they do let her go. Yeah, all right, good enough. You'd better not tell the police or anybody else anything if you know what's good for you. But they let her go, tied up and still blindfolded, outside yeah. of New York. Yeah, they bring her out the building. She feels herself go down and an elevator they put her in the back seat still tied up she's banging her nose on the hard seats oh yeah thinking she's gonna have a broken nose by the end of it <laughs> a black and blue nose then they put her out of the automobile and they say don't move or you'll get run over somebody will come along and find you and remember don't go to the police this poor girl she's in jersey she can definitely feel the dirt and grass beneath her she's definitely out in the country now you see a t 
tied up blindfolded girl on the on the side of the highway that's a good reason to stop an elderly man and an elderly woman stop the man unties her and gives a grunt they carry these hazings too far he said what the fraternity boys do is bad enough but when the sorority girls get to tying new members up and leaving them by the road after dark it's going beyond all sense it certainly is, the woman agreed. Bess wisely decides not to alter this man's worldview. Right. He asks her if she would like to be returned to her sorority house. And she says, no, are you going to New York City? I'd rather go there. <laughs> I think the absolute queen of only saying the right amount. So when she gets back to the apartment, obviously everybody is super relieved to see her. Where have you been, they ask. I'm not supposed to tell you, Bess said. Bess handles her kidnapping like an absolute B.A. Yeah. Like, she's just like, oh, I don't know. I guess I've been threatened not to tell you. <laughs> no, I will, though. I will. I will. If you don't, threatened her cousin George, we won't tell you what we found out this afternoon. <laughs> Everyone's like, sleep. Over. Bess made a face and then told her story. Aunt Eloise insists that they do tell Captain Gray what happened. <laughs> yeah, at this point. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to look through the rogues gallery, says Bess. The worst thing about being kidnapped is the paperwork. They prepared an appetizing meal for Bess. She does look through the rogues gallery the next morning. Not helpful. Not helpful. Well, Nancy says, it's time to try a little sleuthing from a different angle. She sets up this elaborate scheme with Mrs. Becker. We've seen this before where she's to like order special books. And Mr. Stromberg will go to her to buy the special books. Nancy goes and buys these from another bookstore. Yep, on Amazon, basically. So the idea is while Mr. Stromberg is out, she can rifle through his stuff in his office. Well, hope not quite. Because, yes, he's gone. Bess keeps lookout. Nancy goes into the office. But Nancy will not open any drawers mm -hmm. or doors because that would be illegal. She can look with her eyes, but she can't touch. But she can't rifle. Yeah. No rifling, Hope. <laughs> if the Fourth Amendment is what you're worried about, Nancy, you're past it. None of this evidence is good. Bess is charged with keeping the young woman clerk that he has now hired busy. It was easy for Bess to keep her busy with her chatter on the subject of clothes. Yep. George is looking for clues out in the shop. Suddenly Nancy gasped. Up on a shelf, she has spied giant Henry crackers. NRE crackers. New relationship energy crackers. Oh my crackers. gosh, I forgot. Yeah. It's a typo. Also on that shelf are several sheets of the Fire Dragon stationery. Wait a minute. His office is stock full of the only two clues we have. I think I'd better report this at once. But just then, she hears Mrs. Horace Truesdale's voice. I'm here to buy some books. Oh dear, now I won't dare go out there. She's such a talker, she'll certainly have questions. Mm. And she may even tell Mr. Stromberg where I've been. Every detective someday finds themselves in that precarious position between being caught and having to talk to someone they don't like. She hears behind her a scraping sound. That's right, this office to this bookstore has a trapped 
door. Yep. Out comes a man. Nancy hides under a knee hole desk. There's like a solid front, but then it has like a six inch opening at the bottom. So she can peek out. Not a very good hiding place. He opens a safe and steals the manuscript. What looks like the manuscript. There was no question now, but that the Stromberg bookshop was involved in the fire dragon mystery. It was all about the manuscript. No, it wasn't. As he's taking out the manuscript, they both hear Mr. Stromberg coming. Oh, God. So she goes into the trap door, does in fact find her way to the street without finding the bad guy. So she's running after the bad guy out on the street when just then Bess and George catch up to her. Nancy, what's going on? You scared us silly. Now Mr. Stromberg sees them all, realizes what's going on and is pissed off. So Nancy calls the cops. Mr. Stromberg's disappeared. Yeah, Nancy says, listen, I've got evidence that this guy is a crime person. I mean, and in the vaguest terms. And they're like, okay, well, we don't want him to get away. You stake out the trapdoor exit. We'll go in through the front and we'll pincer, you know, pincer him. But no, there is a third door. And it's just like a back door that he covered with some boxes. Yeah. So yeah, that's Mr. Stromberg completely abandoning his place of business and his home as it turns out and like his front for whatever crime stuff he's doing the way they try to track him down is to ask mrs truesdale yeah you're you're buddies with him right and she's like no i don't I don't, shop even, here. I don't even know him. Yeah. <laughs> We're stymied for the time being, George admitted, but we'll get those crooks yet. And find out what they are doing. That's a detective's life, but we never give up. Boy, we should have gotten a ransom note for Chiche by now. So Nancy now believes that the manuscript is nothing. Somehow Chiche figured out some racket that this gang is doing, and that's why she's been kidnapped. I mean, it's true. You don't generally have a business as a front for stealing manuscripts. In fact, probably Chiche found out something the same way Lily had. The thin door to the office mm-hmm. being a place where Stromberg's constantly talking about his crime. Lily calls just then to say, I visited Grandpa Soong and he's not doing well. Nancy decides to read the passenger list to see if there's any persons of suspicion on there even though they would probably use an assumed name. Well, there's certainly one interesting name. Mrs. Horace Truesdale. There was nothing suspicious about Mrs. Horace Truesdale, the police said after they questioned her. And she had mentioned she was going to China later. She's reputed to be a great reader and often goes on trips to visit friends. Nancy talks to her father on the phone and he agrees to also go on the plane in first class. And uh, put George and Bess on that plane with her. The girls may prove to be a safety factor. I don't, yeah, they're typically a buffer for crime. Wonderful, Nancy exclaimed. Then she giggled, saying as she had done ever since she was a little girl, I'll keep my fingers crossed. You heard it here first, folks. Nancy has a catchphrase. Mm -hmm. And she always has. Don't tell us otherwise. Don't even try. You know how Nancy says, I'll keep my fingers crossed. I feel like she might have said it once or twice, but not 
to the extent of a catchphrase. And it comes up like two or three times in this book. Yeah. After this point, it keeps coming up as if the person was like, you know what I could do? I could give Nancy a catchphrase. Nancy has another good idea. She'll make Ned Nickerson find a hotel for her so it won't be under her name. And if the bad guys are looking for her, they won't know. How many of Nancy's good ideas are delegate? Well, George is excited to go to Hong Kong. Oh boy, if Chi Che is in Hong Kong, what a ball we'll have while finding her. Yeah, it'll be a real blast. <laughs> Hopefully you get to her before she gets any fingers cut off, George. Yes, said Bess, but we just may save some time to buy clothes there. Guess. Then she twinkled. Do you suppose Ned will bring along a couple of dates for George and me? Guys, focus up. <laughs> he probably will, but maybe you'd better go on a diet, Bess. Your huge appetite may frighten the boys away. <laughs> the other girls laughed. Oh, George. Rude. Actively rude. <laughs> Isn't it fortunate that we all had vaccinations recently, Bess said happily? It certainly is, Nancy agreed. Nancy wants to go investigate Chinatown one more time, ask people questions. Miss Drew says, let's go to dinner there then. While they're waiting for dinner, Bess makes a joke about how she'll never get enough to eat with chopsticks. How do I do this? Aunt Eloise and the girls ordered Peking duck mm. and bean sprouts, which were to follow bird's nest soup. I, I've heard of that. I've never had that. Me either. Is that a real bird's nest? It's like a uh, bird saliva. I don't know exactly the details, but it's like solidified. I don't know what I expected you to say, but it wasn't that. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I've never had it. I've huh. never even seen it on a menu. Here in River Heights, there's only that the one place from one book one time. In response to Vess's chopstick joke, seemingly, Nancy says, if you'll excuse me a few minutes <laughs> and leaves. I'm sorry, I've lost my appetite. But as she goes to the stationery store, as she passes the store with apartments above it that's right next door to the Chinese restaurant. Nancy gets hit squarely on the back of the head by a potted plant and falls to the pavement unconscious. And she's dead. It's the end of the series. <laughs> Go Wildcats. <laughs> she receives a lot of assistance. When they check up on Nancy lying on the ground unconscious, she gives a like, few short coughs and they're like, okay, she's fine. She's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bess and George do some light detective work going upstairs and asking who owns this flower pot. Who's is this? Apparently there was... Somebody who didn't belong to the apartment building. Yeah, who snuck into the top floor. Because the question is, is it an accident or did someone try to do that to Nancy? And they did it on purpose. She's fully conscious when they get back from their detective work. It's at this point that the police do catch a red-haired man who the girls identify as somebody they have in fact seen before. You're crazy, the prisoner shouted. I never saw these girls before in my life. Perhaps you don't recognize me, George said with a bitter smile. The last time you saw me, you thought I was Chiche soon. The man started perceptibly, but he kept up his bluster. But he gets imprisoned anyways. And this is kind of the way this is going to continue going, is rather than solving the crime in, in one of these regular chunks, these criminals are just going to keep getting picked off as they ineffectually attempt to stop Nancy. Yeah, the prisoner refuses to talk. George reveals that she knows 
knows about Ryle and the Jade, he again just jumps and gives George an angry look. Just does two spit takes and says, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Aunt Eloise apologizes to the restaurant owner who says, no, 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 anything for the law. Yuck. Nancy said, I spoiled our little party, but sometime I shall come back. Everybody else ate their Chinese food that night at home. Nancy drank some tea and went to bed. Luckily in the morning, she's all better. While Nancy's recovering from a good bop on the noggin, George and Bess decide to go visit Grandpa Soong at the hospital. They get there 20 minutes before closing. He is not looking great. Apparently he's been refusing to eat. Apparently he had a strange dream about Chiche, and now he's super worried about her. Nancy and the gang wouldn't let Grandpa Soong in on what was going on and the universe did it for them. Grandpa Soong says there are men in the world who are more dangerous than fire dragons and he's afraid one of them has Chiche. George felt that since Grandpa Soong was so suspicious of the truth, Nancy would agree that this was an appropriate time to reveal some of the girl's findings. Nothing's better for me when I'm anxious that my worst fears might be true than someone being like, well you're close! Yeah, and she's pretty much like, you're right, one of those dragons is now in jail. Yeah, good news. Mm -hmm. We're picking them off one at a time. In fact, they cheer him up so well with this reassurance that when the nurse brings eggnog, they all drink it. Classic hospital food, right? A little bit of jello, some eggnog, why not? Well, and it's October, so they serve orange eggnog right now. Is that true? Yeah. Yum. Mr. Soong, upon hearing that they are headed to Hong Kong for the next leg of their sleuthing, says, It just so happens my brother, Lee Soong, Chiche's uncle, used to be the police chief in Hong Kong. He's retired now, but he still has all the connections. Again, I'm getting Rush Hour vibes from this whole thing. Sure. Rush Hour really took a page out of the Fiery Dragons book. Bess exclaimed, Oh, this is wonderful news. We will all work together between the New York and Hong Kong police and your brother and Nancy Drew. This mystery should be solved very quickly. Yeah, before we know it, we'll find out what the mystery is. When they get home, Aunt Louise greets them by saying, Nancy mustn't hear me, but I'm terribly worried. Bess and George are immediately worried that their friend has gotten worse from her head injury Mm -hmm. while they were gone. No, that's not it. She got a threatening phone call. This snooping into other people's affairs by Nancy Drew has got to stop. And if she goes on that plane, it'll be blown up. The terrorism in this book is pretty frightening. And I remember I had done some research at one point about, like, safety on airplanes in the 60s and 70s due to another Nancy Drew book and found out prior to the safety measures we have today, there were a lot of bombs on planes. So this wasn't so far out of reality as to be like, oh, sure, okay, you're going to bring a bomb on a plane. Okay. They deal with it with the understanding that it is... a completely legitimate threat. I'd be willing to get on a plane if I was tricking bad guys who I didn't think were really going to do anything about it. But if I was tricking bad guys into not putting a bomb on a plane that I thought they 100% would if I was there, I might not take that plane. Even George, who rarely paid attention to anonymous threats, felt that this one could not be overlooked. Well, you know, anonymous threats are coward threats. I mean, sign your name to your bomb threat. They kind of agree that it's not just their lives on on the line. You know, when it's a plane full of people, you gotta start thinking about them. In the next breath, 
George declared she was not going to let any dragon scare her off. Not even the dragon of domestic terrorism. The gang certainly has a good spy system, Nancy remarked, puzzled. How in the world did they find out all our plans? Open windows. It occurs to Nancy there's a wiretap in their home. Has this happened since the hidden staircase? I don't think so, and that wasn't like a wire, but it's handled much the same way. Yeah. She goes quiet, writes things in notebooks, sneaks around everywhere looking for it, finds it, and then they all talk loudly about their new plan to abandon all hope and never go to China. Yeah, yeah. They all give the very good reasons they probably should give up this trip, but that's just acting. I guess we won't go, since we could kill an entire plane's worth of people and ourselves. And my parents wouldn't like that. I somewhat don't get that immediately after doing this, she, like, (laughs) dismembers the microphone. Like, cuts the cord, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, I would think that'd be a dead giveaway. Right, wouldn't that be suspicious to them? That they had found it. Nowadays, you'd be, like, actively listening to this thing. Mm-hmm. So you see it get cut, you're going to know where it gets cut. They basically say someone's going to have to drop by later to pick up, like, the cassette tape mm-hmm. that they're recording somewhere. Yeah. So to be fair, it'll probably be less clear on a cassette tape that it got severed at that moment. It might just sound like they left the room. But, yeah, from any modern perspective, don't do that. They all share a good laugh. George says she almost convinced herself to give up the trip. That's how convincing she was. Boy, common sense almost won out on that one. Nancy calls Captain Gray. They they have a good laugh. We'll let the fellow hang himself, so to speak. That is, we'll give him a chance to pass the word along that you girls have given up your sleuthing. Then we'll nab him. The way that they're keeping themselves safe from this bomb threat is the assumption that the guy picking up the tape is going to listen to the tape, pass the word along that they're not getting on this plane, and do it all before he's arrested. And they're going to arrest him. Also, when he's arrested, that should give the bad guys some idea that she found them. Yeah. It is by sheer luck that she does not get blown up on a plane. I'm just saying. Captain Gray helps them all get emergency passports. They brought their birth certificates. I was going to say, how would you do that without your birth certificate? But not their passports. You know they have passports, too. They would have, I mean, they have to. As if someone at the passport department's just like, well, if you're above rank of captain, I'll do whatever you want. The police do follow the person who checks the cassette tapes, arrest him, trace his call that he made to a guy named Smitty, who is one of the people they chased to Chinatown. Every name in this gang is better than the last. Yeah, because the other guy, his name was Breen. Yep, Riles Breen. I don't know how to spell any of it. Yeah. Nancy is just thrilled. The police have deduced that one of the top members of the gang is called Riley Moot, and his nickname is Ryle, so that's the Ryle connection. Nobody confessed to anything, but they did find a giant firecracker in one of the bad guy's pockets. Baby bomb. Yeah. Yeah, how many firecrackers do you think they need to load onto that passenger plane to take it down? You've done some fine sleuthing, Nancy. (laughs) The police department could never thank you adequately. So they know at this point that this gang is a smuggling gang, but they don't know what they are smuggling. Perhaps you will find what they're smuggling before we do. That sounds almost like an assignment, Nancy laughed. Now Nancy becomes self-serious and says, Captain Gray, we're overlooking the real point of all this. We have to rescue Chiche. Yeah, Captain Gray, it's not about... Uh, you being happy stop enjoying this a girl's life is at risk the girls decide not to discuss the case any further that day they go to dinner at an uptown french 
restaurant and they see a gay musical comedy. New York's just thrilling, Bess exclaimed. Mr. Drew and Nancy do a good job of pretending not to know each other. To keep everyone on the plane from being suspicious? They immediately get recognized by Mrs. Truesdale. Yes. Oh, look who it is. Are you students at the university or are you traveling first class? Neither, Nancy replied and started toward the rear of the plane. A sassy third option. Are you going to Hong Kong? Mrs. Truesdale persisted. Is isn't everyone on board? Nancy countered. Oh! Will you be visiting friends over there? Yes, Nancy replied. Secretly, she was thinking that this overly inquisitive woman might be on to something. You, you know? have to imagine at this point Nancy's learned not to divulge secrets to strangers on planes. It's always someone who's bad. Suddenly the police are there and searching everybody's luggage for bombs. Which is, I mean, wise. Best suggests they get off the plane. Honestly, I thought the police had listened to Nancy and said, hey, maybe we should search the plane before they take off. That would make sense, but that's not why. Somebody else called in a bomb threat. Specifically, Nancy surmises, with the hopes of scaring them off the plane. Which is strange because all they did was have the police confirm there wasn't a bomb on the plane. Bess just wants to get off because she's got about two pounds of marijuana in her bag. (laughs) Mrs. Truesdale is going on and on about how this violates her rights. Yeah. Nancy and her friends had to smile in spite of the fact that there might be a bomb aboard. George remarked, that woman is a pain. Yeah, you know, we might die, but it's delightful to imagine we're taking Mrs. Truesdale down with us. Once they're underway, Carson Drew comes up to his daughter's seat and, like, sits on the arm. Yeah, weird. I cannot imagine that's comfortable. Too cozy. Also, I'm waiting for my drink back here. Like, excuse me. Carson suggests probably the gang is on to them. Even though they tricked them temporarily with that cassette tape. It was probably quickly seen through. We're so lucky that though they saw through our plan, they saw through it slightly too slowly to get a bomb aboard this plane. Thank goodness. They land in China. They have to take a ferry to get over to Hong Kong. A tingle of excitement rushed up and down Nancy's spine. Because who's there to greet them but Ned Nickerson? Oh, not Rick? No. It's sure good to see you, the young man said, giving Mr. Drew a hearty handshake and kiss each of the girls. I was so disappointed when I read that Ned didn't kiss Carson. Ned says, since prices here are lower than in the States, I engaged a three-bedroom suite with a living room. Nancy may want to entertain one or more villains. Ned, wait, wait, what? <laughs> Including yourself, Nancy T. Yeah, Ned, wait, what do you want to happen here in Hong Kong? Call me anything you like, Ned responded, but just let me stick around. <laughs> Ned, wait. As Ned hears the details of the case he whistles and says you really picked a honey this time nancy (laughs) you know nancy doesn't really pick the cases i know it's so funny because like (laughs) you really picked a honey is a pretty callous way of referring to someone having been kidnapped like nancy didn't get that girl kidnapped for fun i'm ready to help ned said nancy when where and how do i start the young sleuth thought for a moment then she replied i want to show you something in my
my hand back. All right. She shows him the pages from the Hong Kong book from earlier. Strongberg threw a fit over. The code has led her to believe that a mahjong shop in Mm -hmm. Hong Kong might be the secret. Now's your chance to be a detective, Ned. He says one of the shops is owned by a man named Lung. As we know, the word Lung was the original Chinese name for dragon, and hence the stationery with the red dragon. And if this isn't just the racism of this book in a nutshell, Ned and Nancy decide to take a rickshaw to the mahjong shops. Mm -hmm. Much is made of this rickshaw ride and how fascinating it is. When they say he pulled them with all the strength of a horse, it definitely feels like they're maybe not giving him the respect he deserves. And then you combine that with Nancy being fascinated by the architecture, saying that there are modern skyscrapers and also quaint oriental buildings. It's the same way they referred to people being dressed in western wear, but also some other stuff. It's like, you know, you wouldn't expect it from these beastly corners of the world that aren't river heights, but they actually have telephones. They go into a gift shop that sells a lot of dragon items, painted scrolls, pictures, wooden figures, and Nancy shivers. She finds the place creepy. And how often does that happen? Yeah, not much. Just the inherent attitude of, isn't it weird how these people are? Isn't it weird how this culture is? You know, it's just thick in these pages. I've seen Nancy walk through more than one haunted mansion and find it less off-putting. We then hear Mrs. Horace Truesdale alighting from a rickshaw, complaining loudly about them charging too much. Yep. So that's another American tourist for you. And she walks right into the very place they're headed to, Mr. Lung's Mahjong Coincidence? Probably not. Is it just a coincidence that she knows Mr. Stromberg? Or could Mrs. Truesdale, by some chance, be part of the smuggling? I mean, Nancy, she's been in the story for this long. There's going to be a reason. Nancy, that's a good hunch, Ned said. <laughs> Let's eavesdrop on Mrs. Truesdale. I love her when they're direct. Yeah, yeah. Let's go snoop. Mrs. Truesdale is acting a bit suspicious. She shows Mr. Lung a piece of paper. He goes back into the back. She goes to put it back in her purse, but she drops it on the ground. Well, says Nancy, I'd certainly love to see what's written on it. It's getting too risky. Mrs. Truesdale's on her way out, so they quick hide in the shop next door. But Nancy's like, we need to go back. I want to read what was on that paper. They go in. Ned distracts the shopkeeper by having him show Ned all the different mahjong sets. Nancy looks on the paper. And it's a two words were printed on it cam tin the detective puts it in her bag when they get a better look at the paper they realize that it's from a package of firecrackers and it has a fire dragon painted on it so this certainly implicates mrs truesdale they decide to go into the lobby of a small hotel nearby like not one they're staying at just to talk cam tin is an ancient chinese walled city several miles inland they decide that cam tin is either a place where the smugglers gather their goods or it's the place that Chiche is prisoner. Ned expresses dismay that Chiche might be there because it's just such a rural town. They don't even have Wi-Fi. No plumbing. Again, so condescending. Yeah. Oh dear, poor Chiche, Nancy exclaimed. I said, would that be the equivalent of finding out someone's been kidnapped and kept at Pine Acres, the trailer park? Like, that place isn't even ritzy. 
At this point, they decide they should get Lee Soong involved. When they meet Mr. Lee Soong, it says the Chinese was a very handsome man and appeared far younger than his twin brother. Again, this myth, people not from America age better. Right. Now Lee Soong is on the case too. He's getting the police involved in Hong Kong. He's got pull. Nancy asks George and Bess to trail Mrs. Truesdell. Lee Soong says, I will also have two Chinese detectives follow the girls who are following Mrs. Truesdale. Again, unlike Hawaii, which was strapped for police officers. Hong Kong's just got enough to put on anything. Bess is doing her part shopping all over Hong Kong and is just having the time of her life. When the girls heard that Mrs. Horace Drewsdale might be involved, they were thunderstruck. George actually fell into a chair shocked and I thought that woman didn't have a brain in her head, Bess added. <laughs> Any sign of competence from Mrs. Truesdale just sends everyone into a, a into a spiral. Nancy tells Bess, trail Mrs. Truesdale or better yet, invite her to go shopping with you and find out everything you possibly can. I like that assignment, Bess spoke up quickly. Get me into a shop and I can stand anything. <laughs> so there you have it. Ned says he doesn't want to go by car to Camden that they should charter a helicopter. Perfect, Nancy's eyes sparkled. You know how she loves a good whirly bird. They call it whirly bird for the first time in forever. As Ned is signing up for the whirly bird, Nancy's just wandering around the tarmac, apparently. (sighs) Nancy sees a Chinese man and a girl in a car on the tarmac. The girl gets out and runs into a waiting plane. The car whizzed off. Nancy, lost in thought about the mystery, keeps on walking towards the helicopter she assumes is going to be the one her and Ned rent. Suddenly, a girl's voice called Nancy Drew. Nancy was startled and instinctively replied, yes. Yes? What? Yes? I'm Chi Che. I've been a prisoner, but I escaped. Come on over here. Wait a minute. Is that just George? Nancy stared at the girl. She did indeed resemble the photograph of Chi Che Soong. So I think that they're taking advantage of Nancy. Nancy's racism. Well, here's the thing, Hope. Almost everyone looks like Chi Oh my god. George does, this girl does. Nancy still hesitates to get on the plane. Yeah, why would you? As one should, even if they're offering you candy, Nancy. She says, your uncle is here and knows all about your kidnapping. I'll take you to him and you'll be perfectly safe. The Chinese girl responds, how do I know you're telling the truth? Just come in for a minute. Nancy turns once more, sees that Ned is running towards the plane, and is now confident that she would be all right. Because that's how planes work. Yeah, I mean, Ned's nearby. If we, if we, they kidnap me, he'll just fly up and stop them. Yeah, she gets in, and they're immediately, the motors roar to life. It's closed. It's locked. But I don't want to go to Taipei. Nancy <laughs> cried out, take me back. Suddenly, the Chinese girl laughed. My name is Chi Che, but it's not Chi Che Soong, Nancy Drew. Oh, You're a prisoner. That's why we couldn't tell that she was lying, because she is named Chi Che. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> As Nancy stood temporarily stunned by her capture, a man comes out. She'd never seen him before, but she was sure he was an American. Hawaiian he- shirt, you know. 
is just gloating. He says he's been trailing her and Ned for a while. Her boyfriend. I don't know if we've ever heard him called her boyfriend. Uh, I don't know by a person. Certainly by the book, but not necessarily by a person. Well, and it still has him as two different words. Not boyfriend. Ah, your friend was a boy. Are you prepared for a long ride? Nancy recovered herself and eyed her captors unflinchingly. You don't think you're going to get away with this, do you? (laughs) They laughed scornfully at her. She does not know how smart you are, Skinny Cord. <laughs> the worst villain they name. They keep getting worse. <laughs> Where is Chiche Soong? Nancy demands. You may as well have a nap, Skinny Cord sneered. You won't be doing any detecting. Ah, but Nancy outwits them. Even though she's in a dreadful fix, she manages to get her lipstick yeah, out of her skirt pocket mm-hmm. with her hands tied up, of course, and yep. legs. Yep. Get up! To where she can write with the lipstick backwards. Don't forget backwards. Mm-hmm. SOS on the plane window. <laughs> Even remembers to close the curtains so they can't see she's done this. And then she goes and lays down, very tired from her efforts. Typically, no plane is allowed to be intercepted for any reason ever in the world. But if you write SOS on the on the window, then they can stop you from being kidnapped. Now we hear Ned's perspective. He sees his girlfriend hop onto a plane. This was never a upon and he says that's strange he goes back to the airport says hey airport do you know that plane is that with you they're like no we know (laughs) nothing about that plane that's been sitting out on our tarmac i think it lives here a friend of mine is on that plane ned cried i'm afraid she's been kidnapped we must do something at once a navy helicopter helps out ned hops onto the, the helicopter and a chase ensues yeah i just don't think anyone should try to kidnap people from airports onto planes they're pretty strict with this stuff you know ned's making sure that the navy isn't gonna shoot at this plane which they could that does seem like a bad move airspace is serious stuff so they do notice the sos on the cabin window in the plane we find out nancy was both thrilled and frightened as she watches the planes flying around her plane. Che Che is trying to talk sense into Skinny Cord, <laughs> saying, look, we need to land. This is getting out of hand. It's not like we can land anywhere else. Like, we are going to have to land eventually, and we're going to get in trouble whenever that is, so we might as well cooperate now. Skinny Cord's like, no way. They won't dare hurt us with Nancy Drew on board. Skinny Cord, we're not D.B. Cooper. Like, eventually Eventually, we gotta take this plane down. In the end, the Chinese pilot, the man flying the plane, gets the final say, obviously, and they specify it's because nobody else knows how to fly the plane. Yeah. (laughs) So nobody else's vote matters. And he's like, "Mm, I think this might get bad. We might get shot at. So he goes and lands. This is slightly more military jets than I like to be surrounding me. Ned unfastens Nancy's bonds. Three more bad guys are getting handcuffed. Oh, Ned, how can I ever thank you for rescuing me? She cried. I admit I've never been more scared in my life. I would be more scared as I'm like slowly getting colder and colder and sleepier and sleepier in a frozen cabin in the Mm -hmm. woods. Like that's been one of the most scary ones to me so far. None of these prisoners will talk either. This gang has a really strict no talking to police policy. Have they had Nancy talk to them? It serves them well. So Nancy goes into a nearby airport to wash up. When she comes back out, Ned shakes his head in astonishment and says you can certainly take it 
admiringly. <laughs> they do get on a helicopter, also known as a whirlybird, and go visit Camton to no avail. Maybe the bad guys are just like in a farmhouse near this city, they decide. Sure enough, as they're wandering the countryside, like you do in China, they find a farmhouse that to them is suspicious. Because there's a lot of hammering going on, and it's rhythmic hammering. The sound was not noisy. On the contrary, it was muffled and pleasant. <laughs> that hammering reminds me of gold beaters, Ned remarked. When it comes to metals being beat, Ned knows the sounds. Ned also does some eavesdropping with his newfound knowledge of Cantonese. They're talking about a shipment being ready. Ooh, smuggling. And the farmer is threatening the visitor that he's going to call the authorities if he's not paid at once. All of this says to Nancy and Ned that they're sure this is this has to do with the smuggling. Mm-hmm. Mr. Lee Soong says he's on the job. He's going to send someone to investigate the farmhouse situation. He's going to send someone to follow that car. It's all taken care of. Nancy says, I can hardly wait to find out what happens. <laughs> Ever the impatient Yeah, one. well said, Nancy. Mr. Soong says, Impatience is like a goat butting its head aimlessly on the wall. All he does is mar the wall and wear himself out. Nancy laughed. How true that is, she replied. I will try to be patient, but I shall have my mind on the case every minute until I hear from you. Ned thinks that in the meantime, they should do some sightseeing. He brings the whole group, Bess, George, Carson, Nancy, to the Chinese opera. He also wants to bring her to a houseboat restaurant near the little village of Aberdeen. You'll be amazed at that place, he added. I shan't tell you any more about it. Nancy smiled. You know, the only way you could get me to stop working on one mystery is to intrigue me with another. Ugh, why did the bad guys never try that? That would work a lot, actually, it's right? It's like when, you, when you're like we're trying to get your dog not to get into something mm. and you bring out the treats. <laughs> Over there! Over there, Nancy! After the opera, they take a boat, a sampan, to get to the floating restaurant. And mm. Nancy is just amazed by, like, the superhuman strength of these 90-pound women. They seemed to have muscles of steel as they stood so straight and rotated their heavy oars through the water. This is another example of something that's seemingly nice, but also equates these women as not human, made of steel. When they get to the restaurant, they had live fish and shellfish swimming around. You pick your dinner alive, the young man said laughing. <laughs> Nancy sighed. I wouldn't know one fish from another, she confessed. I shall leave the entire dinner to your judgment, Ned. And I, ugh, I hate it. Like, of course you know fish, Nancy. Yeah, there's very few things that Nancy doesn't know if a Girl Scout would know them. So I feel like I'm surprised Nancy doesn't know her fish. Nevertheless, Ned orders for the two of them. This is definitely the meal of the book. Yes. First, we'll have bacon and cucumber soup, then some stewed shrimp. He looked up at Nancy to see if she approved. When she nodded, he went on. A little sweet and sour pork, beef fried in oyster sauce, bamboo shoots, rice, and almond tea. It's like a Chinese Thanksgiving. Nancy laughed. This sounds like a Chinese Thanksgiving dinner. I'm not sure I can eat so much. 
Ned assured her that the portions would not be large. In comes Mrs. Truesdale. She is still being shadowed by Bess and George, who are relieved to join Nancy and Ned for dinner and also eat the exact same meal. (laughs) It's made clear that the detectives were still following Bess and George, so now they'll take over and follow Mrs. Truesdale. That Truesdale woman has nine lives when it comes to energy, says George. (laughs) We've been shopping everywhere with her today, and we decided to keep trailing her this evening. Bess is absolutely starved. Everybody laughs at that. Bess and George agreed to try the exotic dishes. Like rice? Bess Bess and George are astounded by the story of Nancy's day. Mm -hmm. You had enough adventure today to do me for a lifetime, Bess complained. And this mystery is far from solved. Goodness only knows what'll happen next. I mean, at this point, we've arrested five different people. This would usually be the end of the book. Anything could happen. Bess's worries did not seem to affect her appetite, and she was able to eat every crumb of the food brought to her. This book is relentless on Bess. George and Nancy declined dessert, but Bess and Ned ate custard pudding dotted with almonds. There's this increase in equating her appetite as, like, not feminine. Yeah, because Ned is allowed to eat whatever he wants. I mean, he's probably bulking up for football or whatever. (laughs) The police were not successfully able to stop the car. They think somebody saw Nancy and Ned leaving the farm and got wise. They did raid the farmhouse and found that the owner and his workmen have been beating gold objects of all kinds into small flat pieces. They believe that this is what has been being smuggled out of the country. Maybe in Mahjong sets, Nancy Mm -hmm. says. All the gold beaters insisted they were innocent, but eventually they admitted they kind of thought something illegal was being done, but did not know what. We weren't the main guys. Mm -hmm. The police uncovered a great many gold objects, which were probably stolen from shops and homes and brought there to be beaten into smaller pieces. Well, now Mr. Soong invites them to a big garden garden party to be given by a relative of his. Special fireworks will be displayed and I'm sure you will enjoy them. You have probably guessed that I am about to ask you to do a little detective work while there. So they invited Mrs. Truesdale and Mr. Lung and some other people basically to see if they know each other, to mm-hmm. suss out if they know each other. George is supposed to dress up as Chi again. The next opportunity Nancy has to talk to her father is the next morning. He's really relieved to hear she's okay basically says he would ask her to give up the case except he knows there's no use at this point i think he has overall given up asking her to give up cases yeah only best still tries she invites carson to come along to the garden party but he's too busy with his case any moment now that's gonna rear its head in our case right they take the day off to do some sightseeing no detective work today best gets a quick history lesson from ned on what the politics of hong kong are and i love that it specifically is like nobody expected this coming from best yeah we mentioned i don't know how out of date his information is on hong kong governance thank you professor nickerson <laughs> best leaned back in her chair i'll try to remember all that but she didn't have to because it was woefully out of date ned is telling stories and george grinned we can't get away from the dragons any more interesting stories ned laughed after that crack i'm not sure i should tell you but here is one what crack is that i don't know (laughs) she just mentioned that you said dragons ned i think you're feeling a little bit self-conscious here ned also tells them about the barking deer that live out on an (laughs) island and i happen to have just researched the moon 
jack deer Mm -hmm. that barks. There's a few over at the zoo near us. I've been watching Instagram photos of them. Deer bark, goat scream. We've all been on the internet. The others accuse Ned of spoofing. What a spoof. Ned does hook Bess and George up with his friends. So Ned introduces Bess and George to Charlie Tsang and Philip Ming. Constant flow of amusing banter is exchanged between the young people. The Chinese students spoke excellent English and seemed to understand American slang and humor. The contrast is interesting between visiting the American university where the foreign students are very separate and you certainly don't get the feeling that any of the American students know Chinese, let alone know slang and humor. Mm -hmm. Finally, Charlie gets serious and asks, Ned, I do not wish to pry into your private affairs, but what have you been doing in Hong Kong recently? Ned grinned. Just look at my companions and see for yourself, he said. This is no joke, Philip Ming spoke up. Charlie and I were called from class to the president's office yesterday afternoon. He told us two men had been inquiring here after you, Ned. They thought you should be ordered back to the college immediately because you were a menace in this town. The Americans were astonished. A menace? What do they mean? Nancy cried out. I cannot imagine, Charlie replied. These same people also said that Ned's mixed up in a smuggling racket and that he's being misled by unscrupulous persons. So this is the old turn it around on Nancy. They try to get Ned grounded at the university and it doesn't work. (laughs) Ned suddenly laughed. So I'm that important, am I? (laughs) Way to look at the silver light. Yeah, yeah. I'll say you are, George spoke up. Nancy needs a bodyguard. In fact, I'd say she needs more than one. At once, Charlie and Philip offered to help. Wink, wink. Bess declared that that had been her lucky day. She was thinking, oh, I hope we will be lucky this evening and solve the mystery of Chi-Che Soong. Oh yeah, Chi-Che. She's part of this still. George does dress up as Chi-Che. Again. She's instructed to hold a scarf in front of her face. uh, Yeah, good. Makes sense. (laughs) At the party, there are hundreds of lighted lanterns hung from among the trees, and haunting Chinese music is being played. Bess whispers to Nancy, George seems even more convincing as Chi-Che than she did in New York. Nancy nodded in agreement. Nothing like practice to make perfect. Oh, plus Chi-Che is known to have a scarf in her face. So there's a marvelous fireworks display. Mr. Soong spread out his arms. Nancy sensed that Mr. Soong's move might be a signal for her group to separate. Like, unless that was agreed upon before as a signal, I just feel like that's a bit much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So they're watching all these amazing fireworks, and then there's a huge fire dragon. I mean, that's a complex firework. I'm impressed when they do cowboy hats. It is magnificent, but frightening, the girl detects thought <laughs> nancy drew specifically has a fear of dragons uh, yeah you never you never know what a dragon's gonna get up to nancy specifically glanced about to see Bess's and ned's reactions but instead she sees mr stromberg sneaking up behind mr soon now is, this is the first time we've seen mr stromberg since like he like fucked off from his place in new york yeah well so- we knew he was going to hong kong so, like, he's just kind of appearing back in the story. Well, I think it was implied because Mr. Soong said he invited a number of special guests. I'm not sure how they tracked down Mr. Stromberg, but I think he was invited. By Mr. Soong? Yeah. Mr. Soong basically invited everyone to this party who he thought might be guilty. 
Well, he was basically like, let's see who attacks me. What if we threw a party and everyone who was bad attended? Nancy is worried that Mr. Stromberg is about to attack Mr. Soong. Because why not? At that very instant, George stood in the full glare of the fire dragon. Mrs. Truesdale turned and stared at the girl. She suddenly shrieked, Chiche, you got off the junk! Of all the revealing things to shriek. You might as well have shrieked, I'm guilty. I know, I was just thinking, I'm like, I'm trying to think of anything more incriminating <laughs> that you could yell. Chiche, I murdered you! Ned tackles <laughs> Mr. Stromberg, but as Nancy tries to join him, somebody behind her claps a hand over her mouth and with strong arms dragged her away. Nancy struggled and fought, but to no avail. The man who had seized her was suddenly aided by another who lifted up her feet. But there is a Eurasian woman accompanying the two men. <gasps> a Eurasian woman. Her strange captors took a path which was isolated and almost dark, and no one came to Nancy's rescue. To be fair, they're distracted by fireworks, I guess? Well, they're distracted by Mr. Stromberg's being tackled by Ned. George and Bess grab Mrs. Truesdale. The police back them up. As you Americans say, I think your little game is up, says Mr. Soong. Anyone can say that. What on earth are you talking about, Mrs. Truesdale asked airily, just because I said something to this impossible Foster. What? This is Truesdale. You're not really even supposed to know, Chiche. <laughs> this is an outrage, Mrs. Truesdale screamed. I am just a tourist, not a criminal. What happened to my First Amendment right to say that I kidnapped people? All this time, Mr. Stromberg had been glaring at Bess and George. Finally, he said, Officer, you have made a great mistake. Mrs. Truesdale and I have been friends a long time and would swear to the honesty of each other. Oh, well, okay then. You know when you arrest two criminals, but they both say, I can vouch for that we other person. vouch for each other. <laughs> That's why you always do crime in pairs. <laughs> George calls him out on stuff like, why did you run away from your bookshop if you're so innocent? I he, he had an appointment. And where are you keeping Chiche soon? On a junk. I mean, nowhere. I mean, <laughs> Bess is the first to notice that Nancy is not with them. Yeah. Bess closed her eyes in terror. I just know the gang has kidnapped Nancy again. She was right. Ned asks Mr. Soong how to find the junk that Chiche's on. Mr. Soong points out that Mr. Lung recently bought a junk, and that would be worth Should checking out. Should we step out. in and define what a junk is? Because I had no idea. It's a ship of some sort, right? Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. Just off the top of your head? Yeah, I did. Well, I don't know if all of our listeners are as smart as Hope Busby. <laughs> Mr. Soon goes away, comes back. He says, okay, I not only know where the junk is, I've also received permission to go after it with a motor launch. At the same time, cut to Nancy being pushed aboard a large, sumptuous junk. What is this sumptuous junk like? <laughs> I don't know. Does that mean know. tasty? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's scrumptious. Oh, it's a scrumptious junk. For some reason, once on the junk, they're like, ah, we got her. So they take the <laughs> handkerchief out of her mouth. Uh-huh. Untie her. Untie her. Hand her a gun. Warn her not to make a sound or she'll be in danger. Right. And leave her with Chiche soon. Good ideas. The girls finally meet. Nancy says to her captors, let your prisoner go at once and me too. Which Nancy, you're both prisoners. Like that's how this works. <laughs> 
Nancy feels pretty uh, confident in her role here. The way Chiche got involved in all this is she overheard Mr. Stromberg talking about smuggling on a phone call at the bookshop. That's it. <laughs> the, the whole thing has been a smuggling operation. Mm-hmm. And Chiche's kidnapping was just because she heard one fairly innocuous thing. And I gotta say, it is Chiche's kidnapping that leads Nancy Drew to taking down what must be her second gang of international smugglers. smugglers. At least At second. least second. Chiche knows all the key players, confirms all of Nancy's suspicions, adds in that Mr. Lung's name inspired them to use that red dragon as their password. That poor guy just selling his cute little dragons, his cute little parchment dragons in New York, not knowing that a Hong Kong syndicate of criminals has decided that his Etsy artwork is their new password system. Nancy tells Chiche that her grandpa's manuscript was still Stolen, but skips over the fact that he's not doing so well in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Do not tell the songs about each other. Chiche blames herself, saying she must have mentioned the manuscript to Mr. Stromberg at some point. Apparently, for a long time, Chiche was just held in Mrs. Truesdale's apartment. After a lot of everything is confirmed, Nancy says, Chiche, we must escape from here. Can you swim? Yes, I can. So the plan now is to take a walk, which apparently they're allowed, they're allowed to, to do. They're allowed to do that, yeah. And then, at some point, jump overboard. In fact, not only are they allowed to walk around, the women and the men on board paid little attention to them. Now, to be fair... Walking around is allowed, but jumping overboard is strongly discouraged. (laughs) Suddenly, Nancy gives the signal. They kick off their shoes, leap up to the top of the wooden side of the junk, and dive in. Flag down a sampan, which brings them ashore. They frighten the women on that sampan quite thoroughly. Yeah, you're just out on the water and two teenage girls just pop out of the ocean. They also can't pay. Chiche promises they'll pay the next day. <laughs> yeah. Chiche also explains to a shop owner the reason for the girl's bedraggled appearance. He looks startled, but he lets them use his telephone. Nancy is able to call Carson Drew, tell him what's going on. She says, I'll be right home, but do what you can to round up those kidnappers. Yeah, here's the bad news. I've been kidnapped. Here's the good news. That's how everyone gets caught, baby. You poor child, the lawyer exclaimed. Get here as fast as you can. In the meantime, I'll follow through. Just such a weird, awkward conversation between daughter and father. Yeah. As usual, I guess. All of this... This was like kind of unnecessary because of course the police do get to the junk and take it over so they really didn't need to go for a swim yeah that, i guess I mean, they might have true. been hurt when the police arrived or like taken off onto another boat it or, certainly seems like not much was accomplished. yeah or given like a steak dinner like who knows but nancy likes to prove her swimming prowess nancy takes a jalopy back to the hotel meet me the driver refuses to take any payment since he's heard she solved a great mystery and benefited their colony. Yep. Again, this is a British colony at the time. Everyone is reunited. Mr. Soong is much relieved to see his great niece. Carson is much relieved to hug Nancy. <laughs> Everybody's in the hotel. Mr. Drew insists that these swimmers have to dry off and take a shower. Chiche is literally given the costume that George wore to the garden party. But how will people know that she's not George? I have a fine American twin, she said, smiling. Oh my god. Yeah, just like your grandfather. This is part of the way we solved the mystery of the fire dragon, Bess told her with a chuckle. 
I pretended to be you in a way that confused people. The Mahjong sets containing hidden gold were confiscated. They do decide to finally call Grandpa Soong and tell him everything's okay. <laughs> what? She was kidnapped? What? Even his manuscript has been recovered. It was stolen? What? The reason for stealing the manuscript, this happens so often in these novels, just a side business. It was just a side hustle. We thought we could also steal a manuscript. Riley Moot double-crossed the rest of them to steal that manuscript. Can you imagine trying to fence a scholarly work? Like, what? who are you selling that to? Grandpa Soong asked to speak to Nancy. I am such a happy man, and I must thank you for everything, you and your kind friends. If you'll permit me to do so i will dedicate my book to you three girls nancy was touched and said she could not imagine any greater reward for her efforts grandpa soon will you do me a great favor she asked please get in touch with my aunt and tell her the good news nancy doesn't even bother to call her aunt she's just like you guys are neighbors someone will get a hold of her <laughs> as nancy turned from the telephone she felt as if she had lost something for a second the young detective looked around her then she realized why she felt this way. The mystery of the fire dragon had been solved. There was nothing more for her to do. My danger boner is gone, as no one's life is at risk anymore. But Nancy was sure that soon another case would come along. <gasps> it proved to be the clue, the clue of the, of the dancing, dancing puppet. I forgot what it was for a second. Dancing puppet. How terrifying. Nancy's eyes sparkled. Then she said to the others, Dad told me a few minutes ago that he too has won his case. So all's well that ends well. What a bullshit way to wrap up Carson's deal. Yeah. We never find out much of anything. It did not connect. Mm -mm. Who knows what it is, but all's well that ends well because Dad did well. I don't know who's going to be pulling the strings next week, but I'm excited for Nancy Drew and Pinocchio. Yeah, Nancy Drew and Punch and Judy. And Punching Judy? Punch and Judy. Oh, the puppets, Punch and Judy. I'm going to have to get my references prepped. Nancy Drew and Lamb Chop. Nice. <laughs> well, after this fiery exchange, all that's left to say is that I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. And go, go Wildcats! Which is a type of firecracker, also. We might need to have a special episode about this video game sometime. I have a, we have a, there's a host of video games we can, um, oh, I don't know, put them on our Patreon. Remember to support us at our Patreon. <laughs> you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our Patreon, River Heights Radio. We'd really appreciate it. Instagram at River Heights Radio. Twitter at River Heights FM. River Heights Radio on Facebook and River Heights Radio on YouTube. Uh, and give us a review or five stars on uh, apple podcast or spotify or stitcher or wherever you're listening yeah if you listen this far i mean why not we actually put a, a lot of hours 